Hi, I'm Pamela Cook, host and producer of the Rights for Women podcast. And I'm Claudine Tanellis from Talking Aussie Books. We've joined forces to bring you a series of exciting interviews from the recent Romance Writers of Australia conference in Fremantle. Chatting with authors whose work ranges from historical and contemporary fiction, crime and rural romance, rom-coms and domestic thrillers. We wanted to know what being part of an organisation like the RWA meant to each of them. And the impact it had on their respective journeys to publication. We had a blast chatting to these brilliant women and can't wait to share the results. So tune in to Rights for Women and Talking Aussie Books over the next eight weeks for these fabulous episodes. Happy listening. Terry Gray, Anna Hackett, Monique McDonald. Welcome to the RWA Talking Aussie Books Rights for Women Greek. Lovely to have you all here. We can start with just a very quick elevator bio. So Monique, could you just give us your quick bio? Yes. Okay. So I am an indie author. I first published my first indie book in 2012. So it's been a decade now and that's scary. And I have published over 50 titles in my name and pen names. So I have a wide range of experience, both positive and negative. And all across the one genre? No. So I write sweet romance, rom-com, and under pen name, I write steamy sports romance. And so I'm a USA Today bestselling author of action-packed romantic suspense and science fiction romance. And some of my best-selling series are Norcross Security and Eon Warriors and Team 52. And I don't know how many books I've written, but I think I'm getting close to 100, so... Yeah, I'll have to go back and add more up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Thank you. Terry. Yeah. Okay, I'm a debut indie author of fun, fast, feisty historical fiction featuring women with swords and men with a gender. <laughs> okay, our next couple of questions are about writing romance, being an RWA member. So first of all, what impact has being a member of RWA and coming to the conference had on your writing? And I'm going to throw that one to you to start. I think that's changed over the years for me. Early on, when I was starting out, aspiring, I think coming to the conference especially and being a member of RWA, I was just soaking up all the content, all the information, learning craft, learning about the industry, meeting other authors, learning that way. I think now... Further down the track in my career, it's much more a chance to socialize and network and catch up with people and talk reading, writing, romance. It's a very solitary career sometimes being an author. So that chance to get together and share ideas and have a drink and yeah. talk about the things we love is awesome. Yeah. Yes. I would say very similar experience yeah. to Anna. I think also for me, the opportunity to look at other pathways through writing and other opportunities that when you're sitting at home on your own might not feel accessible to you when you meet somebody that's done it or is doing it. I think that makes things seem more real and gives you more optimism that there's different things that you can do to help build your career. But yes, if now at this point, it's about connecting with people who are in similar places. Although I have to say that I also really love talking to newbies and meeting yeah. new authors and feeding off that lovely oh, enthusiasm. It's a chance to give back as well. That's yes. something as I've gone along, you know, giving a workshop or, or a talk, you get to give back. To yeah, so that is really fun. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Terry? I'm going to slightly different take. I think what it's given me is a really good insight in writing commercial 
popular selling fiction because I had gone to the university where done a high degree and that's very much in creative writing and it's very much focused on literary writing and tends to want to push you that way and gives you a lot of writing skills but it doesn't tell you how to bundle cells or how to do social media any of those skills if you actually want an author career as opposed to being a literary so it's practical Yes, yes, yeah, off. and also the networking and, and meet people that should have a mutually useful relationship and just have fun there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she went to dress up for donut one. I think. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> had to mention that. Sorry. My, just, my sons are more. <laughs> another romance genre type question. What do you think is the biggest misconception about the romance genre and all romance authors? Nick, can we start with you? I think that there's there's still a unfortunately people denigrate both the genre and the people that write in it. I think that's such a misconception because if you actually come into the room at the RWA, you're surrounded by smart, talented, diverse business women, really, who are trying to build something out of their art. And just because something sells does not mean like it's popular fiction because people want to read. Who wants to write unpopular fiction, really? So I think that it's just a shame that there still seems to be that stigma from people who are outside the community because once you're in the community, it's super supportive and welcoming and really fascinating people. So mm. that I think is a shame. Do you think that's changed all over the years that you've been right? I'd say no. No, it's still... Pretty much at the same level. Not in Australia anyway, I don't think. I think globally it's different. But here, I think it's still, anyway, that's my experience. Maybe other people may have different experiences. I spend very little time or energy on this question. I focus all my energy on my readers (laughs) and the people that love romance and love reading. I just feel like the best way I can, if I need to defend romance, is buying being the best romance author I can be and being a success at that. So I rarely come across the stigma or anything when I talk to people about what I do and they don't know a lot about it. I explain it that I run my own business and what's involved in that. And most of the time people are impressed, curious, ask great questions. So I don't doubt there's people out there with the wrong impression. And generally there are people that have no idea. They've never read a romance. They've never met a romance author before yep so anyway i've on the people who are interested and people who are keen mm-hmm. and they get my time and energy not the not the naysayers oh, i agree with that yes yeah. yeah. again slightly different take yeah. <laughs> which is funny yeah. what i think is one of the biggest misconceptions is that because it's easy to read because it's entertaining and it's an emotional experience that it's easy to write Mm. And I've tried to write straight romance because I pretty much suck at it. <laughs> I think I'm not very romantic. And, but I'm still writing romance in my. Yeah. And like, so I do think people, I've heard that. Oh, they just seem to write people churn them out. And I think, uh-uh. no, there's a real skill to building that, the romantic relationship and the tension that it just get crossed over and discounted and the other misconception I think is that they're not important stories that it's just the romance but there's a whole breadth and depth to a lot of the romance genre that I think people that don't read it at all have got no idea about yeah now this wasn't one of the questions I sent you so I hope it's not too much about Lithil but 
as you're all indie authors, it would be really interesting to get your perspective on being an indie author as part of our WA, perhaps. And just what is it about being an indie author that's drawn you towards that? And how's your experience been as being part of our WA as an indie author? And yeah, so I love being an indie author. Control is why I did it. I get to control what I write, when I write it, and when I can get it to my readers and how I do that. So that was the main thing for me. Over the years, I've seen RWA change and embrace India as it's come along. You just have to look at what's on offer at the conference today versus five years ago, 10 years ago. And I think RWA has done a good job of moving with that and offering offering workshops and talks and things that, that cater to both traditionally published and the indie authors. Yeah. Would you agree with it? Yes, I agree. I think it's, there's a lot more opportunities to talk about being an indie. And I think one of the things about the indie, being an indie author is it's a lot of business stuff as opposed to other things that your publisher might do for you. And I think there are lots of opportunities within the indie business model that you can really take advantage of so that being able to talk to other writers who are in a similar space or have had the same experiences as you have or go to workshops that cover those things. I think has really been a huge change within the RWA. And, and I think a, there's a lot of crossover as yeah, well that we crossover. don't always talk about. It's that when it comes to marketing, whether you're traditionally published or indie, a lot of that still falls falls to the author. Yeah. Increasingly. And, and craft yeah. is craft, yeah, so yeah, that covers everybody. Yeah. While we are offering some things that are more for traditionally published or more for indie, I think there's just so much crossover at the end of the day. And the same, it's no different to the the things for aspiring authors and there are things for established authors. I think they're doing a really good job of covering the needs of all people so that everybody comes along and gets an experience where they go home thinking, all right, I've learned something or I'm excited to go home and do something new or try something out. The other thing I think is really useful for Indeed, for many authors is beyond the conference itself, there's all the Facebook groups and interconnections. So when you look at struggling or needing some advice or you just want to say, oh, what did you find worked better for you, this or that or whatever, then you've got that network to plug into, especially if you're remote um, yeah. distance-wise. So it's an ongoing thing. It's not just conference, and but at conference you get to put faces and bodies to <laughs> see that image from the ether that you yeah. know, you're connected with. Oh, you look like in person instead of just the head. Yeah, because this is a new experience. You've just recently had your first invitation yeah. now. Yeah. So, and there's been plenty of things here at the workshops that you, I'm sure, been able to tap into too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before mm-hmm. you. And, but yeah, like you're saying, there's a lot of crossover information mm-hmm. for both. And like I said, increasing, and that was one of the tipping points for me to choose indie was that I could see my friends who are traditionally published were having to do an awful lot of marketing themselves anyway and I was writing in an area that was a little bit quite mainstream and indie allows you to go niche and, and you me. can develop a niche audience whereas it, which I totally understand mainstream publishers it's they're not going to take a financial risk on niche but in India, you can. Yeah. No one publishes science fiction. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 so you're yeah. you find a big audience, really. Yeah. 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 Okay, so this one, you don't want to answer all three parts. Okay. And if you like, okay. feel free to choose one. What's your funniest or most embarrassing or most memorable moment as an awesome? 
Jerry, Jerry would have I'm something. just kidding. If you really kind of hilarious. It was just recent. I just had a I had a book launch for my first book because it's based on women's sword fighters. I've been learning how to sword fight. And it's historical sword fighting with and it's people ranging nationals, fourteen year old boys who dads bring them along to a mature woman like myself. Anyway, I had some Someone made some cupcakes for the launch for me and you get this little design of your cup up on the cupcake mm-hmm. that you can eat. So I had some left over. I took them to sword fighting and this lovely, sweet 16-year-old boy and I offered him a cupcake and I said, oh, would you like a cupcake for my book one? Why don't you get to eat, eat my heroin? And he okay. said, there's heroin in the cake. <laughs> Well, was standing there, we just cracked up and couldn't talk for a while. We said, no, heroin was an eerie on the end. It's in my book, heroin. So that's one of my little stories. Did he go to Australia Scarlet? That's funny. Did he go to Australia Scarlet? I don't know. 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 This collection of great little memories and things, whether it's winning an award or hitting a certain bestseller spot or bestseller list, yeah, or finishing the series, yeah. So I don't know if there's one single thing that pop out. Collection, yeah, collection. Yeah, I think my answer is probably the same. I think also for me, it isn't. It's about. It's almost like every time you figure something out, because I think it's such a changing industry that every time I go. I've got that thing to work that I've been thinking about or drilling down on for six months. It feels like a little victory. Yeah. And it's funny because I think a lot of people celebrate, oh, I've put a new book out. And that tends to be not what I celebrate. I celebrate the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody else sees that I've been slogging away on my own at. And then I'm, <laughs> I've climbed that mountain and now I'm on to the next thing. But I also think meeting some heroes and some of your idols at conferences and things has mm. been a really really lovely thing over the years but yeah it's more of that stuff behind the scenes that mm. no one else even knows you're doing yeah <laughs> and i learned yesterday from the becca sign workshop that i'm strongly futuristic which means i don't really look at things from the past it's always what's coming up next and the next goal so maybe that's why it's not one thing yeah yeah, yeah. 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 it's just all these little yeah. things yeah. yeah lots of little moments yeah. and what's coming next i think yes is always the thing yeah which i'm not futuristic apparently but i'm not a lot of things apparently and i've done them all so i don't know how that works but i'm also always what's next what ne- what's coming yeah. next and uh, that's probably an indie trait as well because we are you've got business hat and the writer hat lots of different hats so you're always looking ahead for what's next yeah and you can decide that yes so you're not waiting for someone else to make a decision about what's next yeah. so you and you can change it if you want that um, i think my brain's ready for that what's next i'll make it this thing or I'm loving writing this series. I'll add an extra book. Or, and that's the other beauty of India is being flexible and pivoting when you need to and you can do it quickly. So, Interesting. So who, if you have one, who is your biggest author crush in all right. Oh, I'm going Lucy Score. Thank you very much. So she writes, if you, for those of you who don't know, she's currently, I think, got three or four books on the Amazon top ten. She started out writing small town fiction, a series called Blue Moon. And she just really grown. I was reading her books when she was middle level and it's just watching her, her 
how she's done it is yeah. really, and also she's very funny and she seems super kind and she's got a great presence on social media and she has lots of fun things for people and she's a really positive member of the author community. So all those things make me currently. I have to go back to Nora Roberts because she was my gateway into romance. And then as I started writing, I think not only admiring her as a storyteller, but her work ethic and what she puts into behind the scenes or that hard work, like Monique was saying. I saw her once in the corridor at an RWA America conference. So not that I said anything. I just (laughs) stood there. Yeah. (laughs) Tell her, hey, you're not. Yeah. So I think that will always stick in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Big crushy person. I was never that person that had the pin up on the wall. But I think Geraldine Brooks, I really can crush on a little bit because she's very historical, but she's made it just it fits in general fiction like she seems to have managed to avoid being stuck in a in a box and the other one god i'm terrible remember no i can't remember no if it comes back to you just throw it in shred hamnitch well maybe it's thank right. you very much <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah i love her writing too and, and she writes across different genres yeah well certainly true the next question so you've all been writing for quite a while and mastering skill how do you go about continuing to develop your skills as a writer? What's been doing for some time? Are there thing, particular things that you do, Terry, or areas where you're conscious of continuing to work on? I think it's listening to feedback. So if people have readers, I, I agree. And if they give me feedback, I will tend to incorporate it, especially if they're a, trust, if they're a trusted reader. And editorial feedback from editor. Yeah, so just really listening to what people are saying about how they respond to about that, but that's more about story. Whereas, yeah, I felt pretty confident with my techniques, mm. but it was story that I had to work on. So it's different for different people what their things are that they need to work on. I think it changes as you mm. as you grow and stuff. It's also read. Nothing inspires me more than reading a fabulous story and wishing I'd written that story and thinking, why do I care about this character so much? And how come this fight scene is so awesome and how can I do the same in my stories? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I will always read and I still maintain to be a great author that you need to be a great reader. Can I just add to that though? Because I started to draw a bit just saying that because I can't read when I'm really into stories writing something because it throws my brain. And that's okay. I don't yeah, think you have yeah. to be reading when All you're the in the time. middle of your yeah. story. No, that's so I, I think to, in between when you're exactly. refilling. So I your... read when I'm not yeah. watched. Yeah. But when I'm writing, it, I just push. I start you to want mimic. To that I think I start to mimic what I'm reading yeah. instead of, yeah. yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speck aside, <laughs> I am all about gathering the information. So I read every book about that comes out. Okay, you've got to read book about tropes so you've got to read the book about the universal fantasies or whatever it is so i or i and i listen to a lot of podcasts often before i read the book so if i get a lot out of the podcast then i'll go delve deeper and read the book or if i think we've covered it time to move on and i also am a very big reader like too much like sort of thing and no. i think that's me but yeah so i i also read a lot and yeah i think also just listening to different people talk about what they do even if it's you think that won't work for me, just sparks something in you that makes you rethink the way you're doing things and maybe it reaffirms what you're doing. And I also just think your writing evolves anyway. Like 
some things that you had to really think about doing, which any in the beginning, you're just doing it mm-hmm. now. That doesn't mean there's not always room for improvement. Yeah. Of course there is. Mm-hmm. But I think that you just, it all just melts together. You hope it's melting yeah, you there. This is a related question. But if there is another top tip, would you have a tip that you can give quicker to a writer? If they're starting out, I would say definitely read. And I think reading your genre and think about what your strengths are. So like some people are really good at writing descriptions. Some people are really good at writing dialogue. Some people. So I'd think about where your strengths lie and try and craft your story around that rather than trying to make yourself, making your specialty the thing that you're not good at. Hmm. Does that make sense? And also try and keep your own voice. Just because I think the, the flip side of listening to all that lovely advice is sometimes people give you the wrong advice and you can, yours, who you are can get lost and your books are just like everybody yeah. else's and that won't draw people to you, I don't think, long term. Yeah. Yeah. I think my top tip is finish the book and then start the next one. So I talk to too many writers who are starting out and it's they're very stuck on that story and getting that book out and everything's tied up with that book and I want to say... Then you've got to do the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And sometimes, especially for indie, your readers aren't going to trust you till they see that you can do a few books or finish a series or start a second series. So it's not just that first story. So finish the story and then start the next one. Terry? Yeah, but I was busy listening to your answer that, but I've got my answer. Top tip. Top tip. Do sword fighting. Yeah, yeah. Like I do message. Yeah, I can do message writing. Yeah, do what works for you, actually. And that's my top tip mm-hmm. is you can take in all the advice and use the bits that resonate for you. And they can change over time. Sometimes you change process or, and there is no one way, one right way to do things. And oh, and I never know what it is. <laughs> it is learn from, can I say bad books? Books that you don't enjoy. Because they often teach you as much as the books you really enjoy. Because mm. there's a couple that I've only a few books that, that I am thrown against, well, literally. And they're the ones that you go and think, you know, why did I really not really like that book? Mm-hmm. And as well as the ones that, that you really didn't figure out what is it about it that made me. Can I just add to that? I think it's really interesting when someone goes to the trouble of leaving like a really bad book. Yeah. About a book, could be, yeah. that they're passionate, but they're passionate. It's not yeah. like this book is bad, but I didn't like it because blah 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 blah. And it's they cared enough, yeah. And there's you yeah, excited the emotion in them, yes, then throwing yeah. the book against the wall. So yep. you did do something in that yes. wall. I just find that quite fascinating. I would never bother if I'm just like, okay, okay. but it's fascinating yeah. that it's people do just taking the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you have created some reaction in those people that you know. It's yeah. worth thinking about what that might be as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add another so one? Go for it. Fulfill the promise you made to the reader at the start of the book. Mm-hmm. Some of those books that have really annoyed me have tricked you at the end. Like those oh, ones no, with the ranger. And then, oh, by the way, I'm dead. But you don't get to find <laughs> that at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, when the mare turned into a dog or yeah, something. Yeah, okay. Like that. You know, or there's this big romance that they're separated and you're expecting them to get together. Oh, no, sorry. That's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Because then you feel like wasted all those sounds really cheated. That's really yeah. yeah. Interesting. Thank you so much for your time. But before we wrap up, could you tell us either about your latest release or your, an imminent release, whichever you would like to just share and where people can buy it? So my latest release under my name is called Falling for the Fireman. 
and it's available on Amazon and it's in Kindle. Just if you're reading, I just had a new book out this week. You did? Yes. So it's called Wolf, and it's the first book in my new romantic suspense series, Sentinel Security. And like Monique's, it's available on Amazon and in Kindle Unlimited. Man, look at only release. <laughs> <laughs> it's such exalted topic. It's called The Swordmaster's Daughter, and it's available in the usual places online, Amazon. Hopefully, it should be on Kobo and Apple. Yeah. 